Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. I've lost signal. Unleash hell. Welcome, happy Tuesday. You're listening to News Talk Saga 960. Mark Petrone with you for the next two solid gold hours of freedom-loving news talk. Awesomeness. So very glad you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the Mark Petrone Show. And thank you for supporting our terrific sponsor, Blue Harbor Financial. Jeff McGilvery and his team over there are the financial planning and insurance experts. That's right. Jeff handles my finances and he can handle yours. Trust me on that one. By the way, thank you for taking part on that a little tete-a-tete yesterday, by the way, between Jeff and, and John Christophilos. They did a great job. And thank you for listening and checking out what they had to say. I hope we can do that again sometime. Anyway, you can go to askjeff.ca if you want to find out more about what services Jeff offers. G-E-O-F-F dot C-A. Insurance and financial planning. So Toronto opts for a far-left mayor. Elect Olivia Chow. Do we give her a chance or do we resist from the get-go? Do we push back against everything we know she's going to try to do to destroy the city? What do you think? Hey, I'm all ears. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The voter turnout was, well, not great. Mayor-elect Olivia Chow got 37% of the popular vote. But, you know, that's 5% more than what, what Trudeau got in the last federal election. They got 32%. Anyway, uh, it was a 38% total turnout uh, in terms of the number of people who came out, the percentage of voters who got out there and bothered to cast a ballot. So in total, she got about 14% of all registered voters. There's a little bit of math there, but I think you understand. Out of all the voters... Of all the people who could have cast the ballot, whether they did or not, she got a grand total of 14%. That's, uh, she got the lowest number of total votes by a winning mayoral candidate since the city was amalgamated. So there's a few little factoids for you, but she still won. And Jacob is a little pissed off today because so many people sat on their hands, stayed home, watched whatever, Jeopardy, and just couldn't be bothered. Jacob... Uh, what uh, what is it about this that ticks you off? Yeah, it's a sad number. And especially throughout my lifetime, I've I've known my friends have always complained about uh, whoever's in office. Yet it seems like nobody my age goes out and votes. Uh, I have gone out every single election. Uh, some elections I've been more educated than others. Uh, I will say since starting working here at the station, I have developed more of a 
political knowledge, I would say, but uh, I've always gone and done my, my, my duty and voted. And uh, the amount of people my age that, refu- that, that don't go out and vote, uh, I've even told pe- some of my friends, hey, look, just do it. It takes 10 minutes. It's really easy. Uh, and I'm always disappointed every year with, with the number because you've got right now, you've got a, a situation in which significantly less than half the people in Toronto voted. And of those people, less than half voted for this candidate. And now Olivia Chow was one because of that. That doesn't represent the majority of, of, of the city. Yeah. Where do you stand on this? I happen to know that you did not vote for Olivia Chow. Where are you on the question of whether we give her a chance or whether we start resisting from the get go? No, I mean, I, I, all we can do is have we have to have faith and she, we're, we're stuck with it. She's in office, whether you like it or not. And I think all we can hope is that she does a good job in office. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to support her because I have to. And I hope that she's able to turn the city around. And, you know, do I have faith in that? I don't know, but I don't have a choice. I have to. Listen, I admire your attitude. I don't have to uh, give her a chance. I know she's going to suck. Here's what she sounded like uh, yesterday. (laughs) If you ever doubted what's possible together, if you if you ever questioned your faith in a better future, and what we can do with each other, for each other, tonight is your answer. Anyway, Doug uh, Ford is a premier of Ontario. I mean, he did wish her well, but let's not forget what he said. I'll tell you, if you, you want my opinion, uh, if Olivia Chow gets in, it'll be unmitigated disaster. Uh, taxes are going to go up 25 to 30 percent when people can't afford the rent, can't afford mortgages now. Um, you know, businesses are going to be fleeing Toronto as far as I'm concerned. They're already fleeing Toronto and partly because of your policies, though, Doug. I mean, let's let's not pretend like you're uh, Mr. Clean here in the crappy government department. All right, let's all right, let's take a look. He is right, though. And by the way, I can tell you that Joe Warmington and Sue Ann Levy are going to be on the show today, they are on opposite sides of that debate. Joe thinks we should give her a chance. Don't be so quick to condemn. Sue Ann Levy, she's driving a stake in it already, and I don't blame her. And by the way, Anthony Fury, who did pretty well, very well, really, coming in uh, fourth. Nobody gave him any kind of a chance at the start. He was running a very, uh, I want to say cheap, but okay. He didn't have a whole lot of money to play with. Anyway, I hope that uh, he gets a chance to call in. I think we're going to hear from... Uh, Anthony in a few minutes time. But uh, you know, look, I'd like to believe that she won't be an unmitigated disaster like Doug Ford just said. But I just do. I, it'll mean more urban decay. It'll mean higher taxes like uh, Ford said, more crime. You I mean, you like uh, shootings? You're going to get more of them. I guarantee you that you like more uh, people with uh, injection, you know, injecting uh, heroin into their veins when you walk to work or <laughs> drive to work. There's going to be a war on the there's going to be a lot more junkies on the street. I can guarantee you that uh, economic misery, more corruption, more woke type BS. Uh, so that's what I think is going to happen. I stand to be corrected. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I just don't think so. Toronto, you voted for this. Uh, enjoy. I keep hearing that people are leaving the city. And I suspect that that trend is going to continue if uh, she does what I think she's going to do. 
And so, as you know, I got out in 2021. Toronto's my home in many respects. I was born there. I was raised there. Spent about half my life there. So it's a city I know pretty well, but it's not the same city it used to be. It used to be a lot. Of, it was great in the 80s. Uh, it was a great city to be in the 70s, 80s. Um, and then it all went south from there. Anyway, what do you think? 289-275-9600. If you're one of those who votes consistently for leftists, liberals, communists like this, uh, this, like this lady, you know, watching the city go downhill and then later thinking, oh, this sucks. I'm getting out of here. You know what? You should be made to stew in your own juices a while. I mean, you brought it on. You voted for these bozos. You know, why leave? You voted for this crap. Anyway, I believe that the departure of people is going to be commensurate with the departure of good jobs. Toronto is going to be an even worse place to do business than it is right now. And Jocelyn Bamford's going to be on the show to talk a little bit about that. Am I judging Chow too long or too soon? <laughs> I dare say, I don't think I am. But anyway, uh, oh, Bud Light now doubling down. The company sponsored a float in the Toronto Pride Parade. And yeah, guess what? There were children around to watch that. You want your kids? I mean, uh, let me ask you this. Who would be crazy enough to take their kids to a Pride Parade? I'm talking small kids here. There, okay. Bud Light. Whoop-de-doo. And, uh, oh, look at this. Wow, there's a guy with a, a giant penis on his head. Look at that. Hey, look, kid. You want some nightmare? Yeah. And, oh, look. Here's a drag queen with massive plastic boobs. Is that the shop teacher? Waves to the crowd. At the... <laughs> This tweet, when I happened to see this, I came to understand how the Holy Muslim Muslim book intensifies exactly what happened to the tribe who did the same thing. All right, so the Muslims don't like it. They're not the only ones who don't like this stuff. This is crazy. Honest to God. I, but again, I mean, if you took your kids to this thing expecting it was going to be, you know, family entertainment, shame on you. You should... <laughs> You need to wake up and smell the coffee a little bit. Uh, you know, I, by the way, I mean, Disney, this is a great story, too. Woke Disney lost almost $900 million on the last eight films. Do you believe that? Nine. Uh, we're pushing a billion dollars. How can they lose so much money? My question to you is, if, if you're a parent of kids and you don't want to take them to a drag show or to a pride parade, you just want to take them to, you know, wholesome family entertainment. Where do you go? You can't go to Disney. A well-known film box office analyst estimates that in the last 12 months, Disney, whose woke agenda has placed it at odds with much of the general public, lost almost $900 million on the last eight releases. Wow. We're talking about, okay, here are the movies. Did you see any of these light year uh, did you see Thor, Love and Thunder? Strange World? Oh, yeah. Well, look, The Little Mermaid, Elemental. These two films still have that. A lot of these films lost a ton of money, but, but Disney keeps putting them out there. 
Anyway, the uh, analysis is provided by Valiant Renegade pointed out that from box office rentals, money, theaters, back to the distributor, D- Disney would take in 55% of the box office domestically and 43% internationally and 25% from the films in- released in China. He pointed out that the box office numbers can be misleading as they do not take into account the expenditures of the studio. Anyway, the point being that Disney is losing its shirt on these and they continue to do what they do, which is put out crappy entertainment that are, uh, well, not suited for kids. I don't need to see, you know, stop pushing this trans agenda on, on, on children, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. It's crazy. Anyway, I mentioned uh, Anthony Fury. Hopefully he gets a chance to call in. He said he would. Has reason to smile, according to Joe Warmington. After a strong finish to his campaign, well, guess what? George Ann hasn't forgotten the fact that the, the Toronto Sun endorsed another candidate. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Saunders. Here's George Ann. The Toronto Sun made the wrong call in its endorsement before the election. Glad that Joe Warmington and, uh, and uh, Lori had the courage to take a position different from their editorial masters. And uh, that's the Lori Goldstein. And so, but the paper itself said, no, they went with uh, Mark Saunders, who did extremely poorly. What else we got, my friends? Oh, we got Rob, Robert F. Kennedy who's running a dollar store campaign asking for money. I Let's listen. Hey, everybody, people watching this campaign are thinking that we probably have $100 million in the bank because I've now got 20% of the polls in the Democratic primaries against President Biden, and I have the strongest favorability ratings of either President Biden or President Trump in a general election. So when we have to make our filing on July 1st with the Federal Election Commission, people are going to be surprised that we have raised less than $4 million. Which is a pittance if you want to run for uh, president. But he's doing it, man. You got to tip your hat off to the guy. All right, we got to take a break. Um, maybe Maybe we'll be hearing from our friend Anthony after that, but we'll also be hearing from Joe Warmington. And we got Sue Ann Levy and Jocelyn Bamford. So don't go away. Lots more to come on Saga 960, the Mark Petrona Show. After this. Stream us live at Saga960AM.ca. 
You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Hey, we're back with more News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this Tuesday, the post-Toronto election or by-election edition of the Mark Petroni Show. We have Anthony Fury on the line. And, uh, well, he should be very proud. Nobody gave him much of a chance at the start. He was prevented from taking part in key debates. The media crapped all over him, demonized him, especially if you're the Toronto star. But here he is, uh, having finished fourth, correct, Anthony? Hey, Mark, great to be here. Yeah, fourth place showing, and it feels good because while I was in it to win it, you know I had a positive vision to get Toronto back on track. At the same time, I know the media narrative was obsessed with the idea that here's the top six, and I think one news store even said, and it's never going to change. These are the top six, and Fury isn't one of them. Well, I beat actually half of those uh, supposed top six. I beat every sitting city councillor. Three city councillors were running against me. I beat them. I beat a cabinet minister. Uh, so I felt really good about it. Now, you know, second, third, fourth, whatever, you go to the Super Bowl. If you don't get the ring, you haven't won. Uh, but I am just uh, proud of the fact that I had a, a team with me and a group of passionate supporters who really cared about the vision that I was talking about to get Toronto back on track, a vision that uh, you and I have spoken about on this program. So uh, I was obviously hoping that we would be able to uh, implement those uh, policy positions at the mayor's office. But uh, my love for this great city, Mark, has only grown the past few months. Well, good for you. I mean, you had a very positive experience and uh, you did the class act when you we ran into uh, mayor-elect Ms. Chow and uh, you congratulated her. So good for you uh, for taking the high road. But does it ever occur to you that if you had not been hamstrung off the start, it seems like you ran out of runway a little bit. I, you know, you, you look at, had this gone on for another few weeks, for instance, would things have changed as more and more people in the city got to know you? But you were not allowed to participate in, in key debates. And um, do, you, do you ask yourself what might have happened if you hadn't been dealt kind of a crappy hand off the, fair, off the start for the first few weeks? Well, look, as you know, there are 102 people running for mayor and nobody's owed anything. And I've always said, I said from the beginning that I got to get out there and hustle. And it's about earning people's trust one vote at a time. So I do think there were some odd decisions excluding me from debates. It's actually kind of funny that there was a very last debate that happened just a couple of days before Election Day. It wasn't one of the huge ones. Uh, I was on the big televised ones towards the end, but uh, they still excluded me from that final one for really weird, elaborate reasons, even though at that time... Uh, Mark, as you know, I was uh, the pollsters were saying I was statistically tied for second place, yet they were still excluding me. So I, 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 I do find it interesting that I did perform much better than some candidates who, who had it all mapped out for them, who had much greater media attention, uh, who had uh, much more money out there and, and, and backing. So I do feel great about things. Could things have turned out differently? Sure, they could have. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think it was an honor to be able to do this campaign more kind of like on the ground, you know, guerrilla tactics in terms of just engaging with the voters in a meaningful way. And that that's why I think I, I did surge. And uh, at certain points, the polls were saying I was there in second. Yeah, well, you had the momentum going and then you were prevented from taking part in another debate. And so you really have to wonder who was organizing these, whether or not they have a, a specific political agenda and 
and that agenda did not favor a candidate like yourself. What's your future, politically speaking? I mean, now, I mean, could you run again? Could you run, uh, say, in in a federal election or a provincial election? Is this your future now as a politician, as a perhaps one day an elected politician? Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for the question, Mark. And I, I'm getting a lot of uh, uh, fantastic text messages and phone calls coming my way today. And I'm certainly looking at my options and I'm, I'm keeping all options open. But what I will say is that it has been such an honor to travel all across this city the past few months, meet people all walks of life, all backgrounds. And, and running for mayor of Toronto, I think, is unlike anything uh, that you can do politically in this country just because of the the breadth and the scope of people that you meet. And Mark, I will tell you, my my love for this city, my commitment to this city has only been enhanced the past three months. And what happened last night was not the end of my commitment to Toronto. It marked the beginning. Good for you. Anthony Fury, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate that. I hope you'll come back. I mean, people are still going to miss your, your journalism work, I, I don't know if you're going to, to continue that. I, I would hope so. But whatever you decide to do, whatever is in your plans, we certainly wish you the very best. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mark. It's always been great to chat with you on the program. Anthony Fury finished fourth in the, uh, the by-election. I think he sh- should hold his head, head high. I think he did a terrific job. I believe Joe Warmington, uh, is, is he not on the line now, Jacob, or is he... He is on the line. Agreed. Thank you for being patient, I today, friend. I, I, th- I take it you heard what, what Anthony just had to say? Yeah, it was very good. Uh, very good interview with him. And uh, you know, I was out with him last night um, at his, you know, his party. And I also went to Olivia Chow's party. And so that was a big night for, for me and for the city. And it was great to see Anthony uh, give it a good run there. Well, yeah, he did a terrific job. Uh, George Ann Burke putting up the uh, tweet that said, you know, you guys might have blown it a little bit endorsing uh, Mark Saunders rather than Fury. But uh, I guess that's uh, that's not beyond your pay, pay grade, I would think, is it, Joe? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, it's for sure. I've never been in, I've never even been to an editorial board meeting in my whole career. I'm more from the reporting side of it. And obviously as a columnist, I have a reporting style. So I, you know, I just do what I, what I do. They have to do what they do. Uh, they made the call. I thought they were very fair to Anthony though. In the, when I, I read the endorsement of uh, Mark Saunders, <clears throat> excuse me. And, uh, you know, they mentioned, uh, as in there, I think it was tough, but you know, the, the reality of it is that politics has always been uh, a tricky game. Anthony went from zero right into, you know, uh, a mix of, uh, of maybe winning it and had John Tory not interfered with the election. And then obviously Premier Ford interfered kind of back in retaliation. All that hadn't have happened. And there's a lot of ifs and buts in politics, but, you know, Fury was in second place and, uh, you know, he had a, uh, he had a chance to be up where Bailau was, I think. I mean, certainly to take a run at it, but politics, um, no, it, it, it's a it's a blood sport, and uh, Anthony's just sort of a regular guy out there with a very small grassroots kind of team. Uh, Anna Bylaw had had the the political, you know, machine of the liberal 
establishment, you know, from Tory on down, many, many people supported them. Chow had the unions, he had the NDP support, and also, you know, the, the good work, you know, her good name for many years. So it was a really, probably not really a realistic task that Anthony could win this election. But uh, he sure he sure showed what a positive campaign can do, and he, he remained that way. I think he's probably hurting. He, I think he wanted that more, 10 or 11%, but he's got nothing to be you know, worried about because uh, he came forth, he knocked off uh, Matt Lowe, he knocked off Mitzi Hunter, <clears throat> so and Bradford, too, two sitting councillors. So it's very good. You can hear my voice as from being at the Chow Party. I haven't asked you about that yet, but if you want to, I'll be Yeah, well, to you got to tell you oh, well, listen... You get to uh, attend the like, yeah. uh, uh, parties, and uh, so by please, well, I, I, I kind of crashed <laughs> because uh, yeah, I crashed and I just went in there. They were really, I mean, I never, I've been to a lot of political things. That they were really, really partying in there. They were excited. I mean, you could see they can't wait to get at this uh, at this you know new they, mandate, if you will. I'm they they can't wait to start wrecking you know? the, the city. But I mean, you're saying. Your column today is around, let's give her a chance. Don't just jump all over her, right? Yeah, the reason I say that is because, you know, it's, first of all, like, I hate when a conservative person wins, whether it's Rob Ford or Donald Trump or Harper, and then sort of the big leftist media and all these people go, oh, well, it's horrible. Well, he, you know, maybe we'll impeach him, and they're already or her, they really go after them. You know, you see that with Daniel Smith, who's, I know, is a guest and a guest on your show. And I don't like that. And so no, I don't like yet. that. Then I, <laughs> so, so you've got to be fair to this woman. I mean, look at, yeah. she's not the devil. But we, I've known her for 30 years. I knew Jack Layton. And, and the thing that I was trying to impart in that column is that, you know, every time I dealt with her or Layton throughout the years, and I mean, I'm talking a lot of years, 30 plus years. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They always call back and they never, ever spit at me or whatever. Not the stuff that you hear from the left now where they get you counseled, your bank account counseled. They're not, I never got that from them. So, Let's give her a chance uh, and see. She's got big problems. She didn't create them. And I don't think she's going to have an easy time solving them because she's got such deficits and such crime. We had a, in Toronto, as you know, we had a shooting inside of a, a daycare center today. Yeah. Things like that. These are the real things. We had a 16-year-old knife on the subway at Kiel. Um, you know, I've, I've written about all these people being pushed over and dying and things like that. So these are things that she needs to fix. And she's probably not going to do it because she seems to love the drug 
injection sites and well, those kinds of things. She was talking about those issues during the campaign. And by the way, you can read Joe's terrific column. Voters have decided, and now Toronto must give Olivia Chow a fair chance. You can read about it in the pages of the Toronto Sun. And it starts off saying this celebration. My, my favorite, uh, my, my, I think the best part of my column today is, is, is to try to show the kind of, the, the kind of thing that, you know, sort of being magnanimous to say, look, give her a chance. She's elected. But also there was advice in that column. And it came from Joe Oliver, who was a federal, uh, was the federal finance minister under Harper after Flaherty died. Yeah. He was very good at that. You know, he didn't get a long run because he kind of ran into the 2015 Trudeau mania thing. But he he made a very good point um, that, you know, Olivia needs to step outside of her, and his advice would be to step outside of her comfort zone and go and seek out people in small business and the different, you know, don't just listen to the NDP, but but Toronto's more than that, just the NDP. Well, let me ask you I this. don't know whether if he'll you, take that advice. but You say, you say you've known advice. her for 30 years. Is there anything about anything you've ever seen from this individual, anything she has said ever, that would suggest that she's even capable or even remotely interested in talking to business people about their issues, actually looking seriously at lo- less regulation, lower taxes? I mean, this person, thats she's not cut from that cloth, man. This person is a leftist um, through and through. There's, there, there's no changing a leopard's stripes or spots rather <laughs> you know a zebra's stripes i mean well, let me just say this is, uh, man. i i i gotta answer your question i i do remember one i will give her credit for it i know you, maybe maybe i think you do want to hear it but david chen yeah please do no, i'm listening yeah, Go david, ahead. david chen is a grocer in chinatown a lucky most uh, grocery and these guys came in, they tried to rob him, and he and the other guys, they, they took these guys down. They Basically, it was like a, a movie, like they wrapped them up and kidnapped them and threw them in a van and took them away. But they were victims, but they overdid it, if you will, according to the law. So they were charged, and uh, you know, I got on it right away and, and stuck up for David Chen because I thought, well, wait a minute, the bad guys are the guys that broke in. And they're saying, well, it's vigilante, we don't allow that. But Olivia Chow, to her credit, maybe she didn't come in as fast as I would like. But, you know, I asked for help from people like I asked help from Tory and from Kristen Wongtam in the case of Jenny Huang, who had that shop in, in the St. Lawrence Market. And they, they, they ran her out of town, out of a job and out of her apartment and everything else. Thank you very much. Real leftist heroes there. At least Olivia came up and, and stuck up for Chen and was there. When, you know, whether it was political for her or not, I don't know, but I, I did see her uh, try. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I'm sorry to say, but I don't think that, that I want to give her a chance. I'm not going to, I'm going to be a critic of her and I'll be on top of her. But, you know, I am cautiously optimistic because of the situation that she has. It's so dire in Toronto. It's not an NDP, it's not a riding. It's, it's, you know, it's not like a, a riding where you've got a bunch of labor workers like, say, Sault Ste. Marie back in the day with the steel plant and it's an NDP town. It's not that. It's complicated. It's an economic engine. And it's also the place where everybody comes to from around the world, whether they come from other countries to go to school or to, to, to immigrate to or whether they come on business. And so she's going to have to be diverse in her thinking or she'll fail. She's only got three years. I, I hear you, though, Mark. I know where you're coming from. 
and, um, and and she likely won't do it. But Tori didn't do it. Tori did, Tori was not very good at, at, at any of these things. So I'm prepared to see what she can do, and then we'll talk about that. Yeah. All right. Can you hang in for a second segment, or do you, you have bet. to? You bet. All right. Well, I appreciate that because we got to talk pride, right? Lots of talk sure. about uh, Bud Light's sponsorship of yet another float. But I mean, you know, you got people, uh, naked guys, you know, uh, shaking their junk. There's kids around. This is disgusting. I mean, I, would would you take your son to one of these things? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I. Well, no. Sorry, uh, man. Uh, no, it's, 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 and things are getting worse as far as that's concerned, in my opinion. But let's take a quick break. Thank you for hanging in. We'll be right back with more on News Talk Saga 960, the Mark Petrona Show, and Joe Warmington of the Toronto Sun after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga960. We're back with more on News Talk Saga960. So very glad you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the show. That's what uh, Pride sounds like. The guy walks around with a giant penis on his head. This kid's walking around. And then there was a float with a, a guy with giant plastic boobs exposed on the float. I thought it was the shop teacher for a second there, but I think they were a little smaller than that guy's. I don't know. Uh, am I wrong to raise this issue? Uh, to me, it's just not an atmosphere where you'd want to bring a, ca- a kid, Joe. Well, I don't think you're wrong to raise it. I mean, it's being raised in the United States. Uh, Fox News and other people are raising it. It hasn't made mainstream media at this stage. Um, and, you know, I'm working looking into it. The, the big question is this. It's got nothing to do with Pride Parade, the parade itself. It's the question of what is the law. So, so there's a criminal code offense for public nudity. And, you know, obviously, if these men that did this on Young Street were to walk off of Young Street and over and around any other street, maybe walk through the Eaton Center or in around a playground or a swimming pool, they would all be charged criminally and, and face the courts. And, you know, and, and it would be very serious consequences for it. It's not, uh, you know, people say, well, if you decide to take your children down to something like that, that's what you get. No, that's not what you get. You get uh, what the laws are and what the rules are of the parade. Most people follow them, and they are there for that. These particular people do, do not follow them, not just this year, but other years. We've written about this before. And, you know, again, it's not something that you need to worry about, Mark, or I need to worry about. We pay our taxes to the police and the Crown attorneys. That's their job to determine if that's a crime. And what they're telling people is that, no, this is an area on Young Street where they can commit that crime. So if they also say, well, we'll break into a store or we'll you know, steal a car, 
it's off limits. You know, the, the law doesn't apply. It's been suspended for that thing. Of course, how it gets fun is somehow people are homophobic or what have you, but you don't know anything about who these you know, people are that are walking in, the full, in full nudity in front of children. You don't know if they're part of the parade. There's nothing to indicate that they are. And so, you know, that's where the police come in, and they should be investigating it, in my opinion. And, you know, if there's been a complaint laid, uh, perhaps they, they would. But, you know, it, it, is, uh, it is something that you, know, you asked about taking your, your children down there a few years ago. There were some when we used to have tourists from the U.S., which we don't anymore, but we used to. And, you know, there's a parade, there's a parade, the family goes out with kids, and they didn't know what it was, and this is the kind of thing that they saw. Well, they were really upset. Now, this was maybe 20 years ago when it wasn't as uh, common and, um, you know, understood and, and maybe as accepted. But but it was like, you know, you, you have to remember that it is Young Street, and it is, it is downtown Toronto, and that there are going to be people that are down there that aren't part of a parade and, and certainly did not think they were taking their children to a, you know, a male strip tease show, if you will. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't think that has anything to do with politics or, or any of the gender issues. It's just basic common law. But these people are obsessed with children. I mean, even by their own admission saying we're, we're queer, we're here, we're coming after your kids, your children. And on the speaking of police investigation, they don't have enough to do here. Here they are investigating black tire marks on a pride crosswalk. This was in Leduc. This is in the, the Edmonton area. And so there was. Well, this, is why the, this is why the police shouldn't be. The police shouldn't be part of a parade. They shouldn't be marching in it. They can go on their own time, of course, if they want to. They shouldn't be wearing uniforms and they shouldn't be doing it on duty. Anybody that's at a parade in a police function should be doing policing. And that includes the chief of police. Because you might have to arrest somebody when you're part of something, you know, and it's very, very serious. Like, you know, don't forget that all this is so political. But at the end of the day, the police are not supposed to be part of anything that they, any protest. Doesn't matter what it is. You know, we saw that with the truckers. Uh, you know, there's some, some of these police got into trouble with that because they put $50, uh, you know, in the thing. They got suspended for it. Yeah, people are part of something like this, the police officers, the chief of police. I don't know if this chief went or not in previous years, though. And you've seen Mark Saunders when he was the chief. He uh, sided with the protesters. They blocked the street. He got down on his knee and bent the knee, and then he pumped his fist into the air. And now he's no longer a police officer when you do that, because now you're part of the protest. And that's why you have to, you know, and reporters have that problem, too. You know, you'd love to sometimes get involved in it, but you're there as a reporter. It's a little different as a columnist. But even there, you kind of always have to have a little bit of this sort of, uh, you know, what do you call that? Like independence from it. Because if you don't, then you can't, you know, you're part of it. And then they get to tell you what to write, what not to write, or who to charge or, or whatever. So, you know, what uh, I think the, you know, the, uh, the, the sort of the way this should be approached is that I think a reminder to the people that are running the parade that um, you know, the, the, here's here's the criminal code offense. If you if anybody's uh, in full nudity, this is considered a crime. So you know, and then you know, obviously, if somebody violates that and someone sees it or lays a complaint, that they can the police can do its job and take it to the courts. I see that uh, Elton John now not too thrilled with some of the policies in the United States that are now banning uh, the sexual mutilation of of kids. 
Elton John claims disgraceful U.S. laws barring child sex changes are like a virus coming out and saying hey, he's not going to play. He's not going to do any shows in the USA. I mean, no, it's probably his loss, too, considering a good chunk of his money. But uh, here Didn't he is. This guy retired. Like, into the debate. He retired. He keeps talking Except about Elton John. Anyway. Uh, yeah, he, he's entitled to his opinion. And, and you know, uh, he's entitled to not uh, play his shows there. You're entitled to your opinion. Uh, you know, but the problem is that, that it's not a free-flowing, you know, contest of ideas anymore. And, you know, that's what I think is the biggest loss. I think the pandemic and other things, uh, lockdowns and things like that, it empowered people to be able to say, look, we're on the right side. You do what we say. And if you say anything, we're going to cancel you. And, you know, obviously people are afraid of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, people will protect their children, Mark, as you know. And uh, you're a dad. And, um, you know, so so that's that's what happens. I mean, basically you've got a situation where, you know, I guess a lot of people. Uh, anyway, you know what I mean. It's it, yeah. it's a pretty pretty tough tough uh, tough situation. But uh, but it, but it's um, you know I think the Pride Parade um, back to the Pride Parade. You know I saw Anthony Fury down there. He took some. Uh, he he didn't actually partake in the parade. He just stayed on the sidelines, took a few pictures, shook a few hands, and people criticized him for that for not being in the parade. But I found out last night at his party that uh, Mike Van Dixon told me, who was this communications guy, former radio uh, manager and all that. Yeah, He said that to, to walk in the parade, you have to pay thousands of dollars. You can't just jump in the parade. Now, I'd be interested to know if these guys that are displaying full nudity are in front of children, whether they paid or not. Uh, that would be a good question to ask. But for a candidate or somebody with any kind of a business uh you know, whatever they're promoting, they've got to pay to go in the parade. And so Fury could not afford that because he had a grassroots small campaign. Yeah. Other people that have bigger uh, budgets can, can go in it. But, you know, it, uh, it shouldn't it should matter. It should be your choice. I mean, Rob Ford went through that as well, where he didn't want to go to the parade. And, and I talked to Rob about that. And I said, look, why don't you just go to the parade? Because then you don't have any controversy and whatever. And you know what he said is something that I never forgot. He said, this is Rob Ford. He said, look... Yeah. I'm more respected in the, you know, in the church street area because I'm not a hypocrite. I'm not going to go to that parade. That's not a lifestyle that I'm part of. I don't know a lot about it. I could represent anybody there constituent, you know, in the constituent way, but cut their taxes and make things safer for them. But like no one's asking me to be part of their, their parade. And they respect, many of them have told me what he said. That, you know, to not go and pretend that you care. But other politicians like Justin Trudeau, he goes down there and, you know, really hams it up and, and, and <laughs> is part of it. Now, it's yeah. prerogative. You know, so. Yeah. Oh, who could forget that uh, story, that, that picture with him sticking his tongue out? It's just, I don't know. To me, it's just, uh, there's something uh, classless about it. I don't want to see, I don't want to see the leader of my country. Doing that sort of thing. I just me. Maybe I'm just old fashioned. Let me ask you about uh, an economic issue, because I thought that inflation was supposed to be mitigated these days. Is it supposed to be going down? They keep talking. Well, we won't have to. We may only have to raise interest rates one more time. Grocery prices are up. 
9% since May of last year, including milk, 6.5%, vegetables, almost 10 chicken, almost 10 butter, 10%, cereal, 12 and baked goods, I guess they're talking donuts here. Shouldn't be eating those anyway, but even so, 15% are, you know, bread. I mean, I thought things were, were supposed to be getting better on the inflation front. Here it is. We're still getting hammered, Joe. What's going on? Well, I mean, obviously, when you've got this kind of, you know, movement, which you're saying, look, all of our core resources, you can't utilize them. We have no pipelines. Uh, we're going to be banning gas-fueled cars in the next six or seven years, whatever they're saying. It's hard to imagine, you know, anybody wanting to invest in a place like that. I mean, they're, they're you know, if you look at all the leaders, whether it's Boris Johnson or whether it's that guy in Netherlands or New Zealand, uh, but Jacinda, whatever, yeah, they all fell. In the, yeah, they all fell. But Trudeau is still going. He's the WEF shining beacon light there, and he's still going, and he's pushing forward with these things. And he's, you know, obviously, we've seen you know him survive another thing with this whole China Gate thing, and he survived it. In fact, uh, you know, the Toronto Star, this uh, Trudeau Foundation member um, columnist, I can't think of her name right now, but Chantal um, Hibbert. Um, is it Delacour? He said the problem in Ottawa right, is, yeah. is uh, problem in Ottawa is is this guy Pierre Paglia. He's the problem. Uh, they got to get rid of him because uh, he's yeah. a real problem for 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 the whole country and for the party. In the meantime, she lets the guy slip out the back door on the whole China Gate thing, where you know we don't need to relitigate it. But it's like it's a brilliant strategy. So, so Paulia goes into the summer because the big time, you know, CBC and all that say he's the problem, and and so you know people seem to to go for that, and that's what we saw in that election here in Toronto. I mean, that, that's got to scare Paulia. There's not one vote here in Toronto for him. In fact, if you combine uh, Chief Saunders and and Mr. Fury together, I think they're at ninety thousand votes, and the other guys are at five hundred or six hundred thousand. Liberal left. Whatever. So, you know, we're probably in for a, hey, I don't want to ruin your, your week, but I, no, you know, I'm, you're not I'm, ruining it at all. Week, but, I'm good. You know, but, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really I'm tough not. times. Um, yeah. When people start losing, when people start losing their homes, that's happening to people. And hopefully we can tell those stories because that's you. All it takes is one, you know, your company to go under or to downsize and you can't make those payments and all those things that car you have up front. The computer you have, the vacations you're hoping to take, and your home, or even if you're renting, um, you know, it, it's gone all in about a month. And uh, we're seeing more of that. And we're going to see more crime as a result of that. And we'll see more people gambling. And we'll see more people doing drugs and more alcohol and more domestic issues and more suicides. And maybe some people are okay with that. But it's not the Canadian dream. And, you know, real leadership comes up and says, how does everybody do well here? And how do we compromise? You've got to have some things on the left, some things on the right, some things that make sense. Sometimes you have to hold your nose. And sometimes you have to be fair, like I'm trying to be with Olivia Chow. But at the same time, you know, the people cannot be put in a position where they can't afford to eat. They can't uh, heat their house. They can't put boots on their kids' uh, feet. And, you know, again, no, no happiness at all, just survival. I mean, my goodness. 
uh, you say, well, it's better than anywhere else. Well, you know what? It could be a lot better. It could be the way it should be because we have the resources here to, to make it all happen. But they basically, uh, you know, uh, pilfered it and uh, and they also pissed it away. And I don't like what they've done. And it needs a change. And Polyev, at least, though, so if he can get his message past these sensors, you know, at least he's wanting to do it something different. And uh, oh, yeah. a lot of Canadians see that. Well, I, I agree with you on that one. And, and the fact that the Toronto Star, which is spiking the football today over Olivia Chow, because they think, oh, that's another indicator that the left is still uh, has a stronghold. And you mentioned it yourself on Toronto. And that means that uh, Justin Trudeau, well, he, he may win another one. <laughs> All he needs really is Toronto, and Quebec and Maritimes, maybe a handful of seats in B.C. And that's well, it. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's an uh, interesting thing because... You know, it's an interesting thing, Mark, because Olivia Chow is NDP. Yeah. And she's NDP royalty. She's royalty. So she's uh, got, you know, the, the Trudeau and uh, uh, Jagmeet Singh kind of coalition. And she has them on speed dial. She needs a billion dollars, a billion and a half dollars to bail Toronto out. Or uh, if she doesn't get it, she's going to have to tax and do all kinds of things to try to get the, the city. Because it's a mess. The Tory left. Trudeau's liable to give it to her because the last thing he wants is to turn around and have all kinds of people upset come election time. That's coming in a year. And, uh, and so he might just try to prop her up in exchange for a lot of help. And, uh, you know, these kinds of deals happen in politics. What's a billion, what's another billion dollars to Justin Trudeau when it's our money? Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate this as always. Great to be with you, and uh, have a great rest of the week. Thank you. Joe Warmington, Toronto Sun. All right, let's take a break. And we got news coming up as well, so do not go away. Lots more to come on the Mark Petrona Show and Saga 960 after this. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. You were listening to the Mark Petroni radio program heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. We're back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this Tuesday edition of the Mark Petronas Show. We have Sue Ann Levy joining us. She, of course, is an author. She's a longtime columnist, longtime resident of the city of Toronto. Welcome to the show, Sue Ann. Oh, thank you very much, Mark. Well, we've had our election, and uh, Olivia Chow (laughs) is the new mayor. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to you. Where does the city go from here? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 
18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, first of all, last night uh, when the election results started being tabulated, I really thought that Anna Bio was going to upset her. I mean, it was very close for the longest time. But then Olivia edged past her, I, I think probably because the uh, the advanced polling uh, results came in last. So I think a lot of people voted for her in the advanced polls. Where we go from here? Well, I, you know, I've said this all along, and I, I did resign myself to the fact that she would probably win. Um, I think that the city is already in decay, and I think with her policies and her lack of insight into how to deal with the very serious financial problems that the Toronto that the city faces, City Hall is 1.5 billion dollars in debt. I, I truly believe that that this is going to just uh, take the decay even further to the point where, you know, as I predicted a couple of years ago, Toronto was starting to look like Seattle, and now we're headed towards San Francisco, uh, Vancouver, uh, Portland. All the cities that are run by progressive mayors have been a dismal fa- failure, and I. I'm really concerned about her lack of depth around finances and her inability to articulate during the campaign. And the the fact that the media didn't press her on this uh, was how she plans to, to get rid of the city's deficit. What is she going to do? And she kept deferring to the fact that the money virtually would drop from the sky from the province and the feds, and that's not going to happen. So, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of concerns heading into this new era. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She won with fewer votes uh, since the city was amalgamated out of anybody ever. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so she won with, uh, what did she have? Uh, 200, almost 270,000 votes. That's 37% yeah. of, the, uh, of the votes cast. Uh, the total... Uh, percentage of of people casting a ballot is, I think, thirty nine percent. What does, does that say anything about the state of politics, the, the cynicism, and I guess the second part of that question would be, you know, to what degree would would that resonate with her? I mean, is, is that going to be information that she can take with her and say, hey, look, you know, there's a lot of people who didn't vote for me, uh, a lot of people who consider me a radical leftist. Maybe I should temper my policies so that they're not. Uh, so uh, out of uh, out of sync with so many Torontonians who who want fiscal prudence. To your point earlier, that's not going to happen, Mark. I can tell you that. And you know, the thing that frustrated me is I almost know too much because I was at City Hall in the year two thousand, right through to two thousand and three when she was a councillor, and she and Jack um, had some very radical ideas, which were only tempered by the fact that. We had Mayor Mel Lastman as mayor, and he gave her some responsibility, but kept her on a very short leash. Now she doesn't have a leash at all, coupled with the fact that she has strong support from all the most radical activists, all the unions 
who are going to want their quid pro quo. Um, you know, the people that were lining up, even at the Pride Parade, the gender activists, the bicycle cult, all of these people, um, you know, propped her up and led her to victory. And I happen to think that she's not a deep thinker um, and that she is going to have surround herself with people who are ideologically very left of center, very left, radical left. Um, some The people who supported her from council are all left of left. Kristen Wong Kim, a former counselor who is now an MPP, also a radical. And I, I don't think she's going to temper her ideology in the slightest. And, and that probably is partly because she won't know how to, to move forward without all these people surrounding her. And then people are going to come with their hands out saying, well, we supported you. Now we want our quid pro quo. So no, I, I hate to sound pessimistic, but I don't think that's going to happen. I would rather you sound realistic, which uh, rather than optimistic. And so that's kind of what we're getting here. And we wouldn't expect any less from somebody who's uh, been very open about, you know, her attitudes. Uh, you've been upfront about your views uh, that this election was, you know, potentially a tipping point for the city. Do you take any comfort in this headline in the in the National Post by Sabrina Madeau? Three years of Olivia Chow will push voters to the right. Torontonians will be even angrier and open to a conservative candidate with populist bent. All we got to do is wait three years for the misery to reach uh, the boiling point, Sue Ann, and then people will wake up. <laughs> well, you know, Mark, it's funny because I was at City Hall for 20 years and uh, that happened right after David Miller's mayoralty. Now, Olivia Chow happens to be David Miller on steroids, I believe. And they, you know, pushed uh, people towards, they were angry enough to vote for Rob Ford, who, you know, was a populist mayor. And I see this happening all over again. Trouble is that a lot of the people who voted, a lot of the sort of younger generation, I hate to sound like I'm, you know, Grandma Suanne, but I'm not. Um, but the younger people have no history, don't have the history that I have, and didn't see what David Miller did to the city of Toronto. And they're in for a rude, rude awakening. Yeah, why do we have to wait three years? And I think three years uh, are going to be a very troubled three years. And I think uh, what I'm concerned about is that the city is going to deteriorate even further. More drug addicts on the street. Uh, the, the roads are an absolute mess. Olivia Chow won't care one bit about the roads. And what will escape her attention is that the roads are also bad for cyclists because I ride my bike everywhere. Um and she will be busy catering to uh, the people with the loudest voices, with their hands out. You know, she talked about 25,000 units of affordable housing. This was her mantra throughout. She couldn't even cost them out properly. She was only $7.1 billion short in her cost estimates. I don't know where the heck she thinks she's going to get the money from. Uh, Rob uh, Doug Ford uh, is not going to give her the money. I don't think she's going to get much from the federal government, and who's going to end up paying for all her mistakes? Well, me, uh, yeah. my wife, and all the people in Toronto. And all her, her mantra has been tax the rich, tax the rich, which she doesn't realize is that she's going to drive people out of Toronto with that kind of attitude. Which is my next question, the impact of this. I mean, I can certainly see money leaving the city. Uh, regulations yeah. are going to grow up, going to go up. Uh, taxes are going to go up. It's going to be a tougher place 
for anybody to start a business in. And why would you, even now, even before uh, her policies, uh, you know, get going, I would think this is for, for small business. This is a major uh, yellow, if not red flag. Major hit. Yeah, it's a major hit. And you know, it's funny because I listened to her platform, and it was hard to get through with all the noise. But I listened to her platform, and it was the same stuff she was peddling in the 2000s when she was on council, the children and youth strategy. She um, is fixated on that. And, um, I mean, Lord knows the the City Hall has spent so much money on getting to the alleged root causes of violence. Her uh, attitudes toward the police are very troubling, the defunding idea of defunding the police when we have a, a major crime wave. And, you know, this just the the whole bit about, you know, how she talked about the the various ideas she had, which to me were almost 20 years old. I don't think she has really much insight into the problems of the city. Now, I will stand corrected if I'm wrong, but I mean, I saw her 20 years ago and I don't think she's changed much. Well, sure, they softened her during the campaign. They made her seem... They made her talk slower. They made her seem like she was grandmotherly and she really cared about people. And people were absolutely manipulated by this. They, they think that she's going to build a safer, more affordable, caring city. This is what she kept repeating. Well, I'm telling you, if she's going to fund the police, the city is not going to be safer. She's not going to tackle the crime on the subway. And uh, I love the fact that she said, well, we just need more crisis lines. People are going to call a crisis line when they're in trouble. So if I, you know, I have a knife to your throat and you call a crisis line and say, help, Suzanne's got a knife to my throat. What should I do? I mean, this is her solution. I, I can't believe it. The Toronto Star is happy. Olivia Chow is Toronto's <laughs> new mayor. Now comes the hard part. Chow faces a to-do list that includes a soaring budget. Why anybody would expect a far-left politician like Olivia Chow to, to uh, put uh, fiscal issues at the top of the priority list is beyond me. All you have to do is look at any leftist that's ever took, taken over. I mean, right over to Justin Trudeau where the balance was, budget was going to balance itself and then he was going to balance in a couple of years' time and we have now what we have, yeah. uh, an absolute disaster. Well, you know, the- Go ahead. The star loved John Tory until they didn't love him anymore. The star loved David Miller until they didn't love him anymore. And I can hardly wait until the tides turn and they discover that she isn't the answer to everything and that all she's proposing, I was joking last night that, you know, we're all going to get rainbow bikes um, and right. we're going to be driving around downtown Toronto on our rainbow bikes and she'll give out free tents and you better line up a Canadian tire quickly because... Uh, you know, the free tents might run out. But, I mean, I was only half joking because this is going to be her focus. I saw her 20 years ago. I don't think she's changed. She's been out of action. She's been, uh, you know, hidden at uh, university teaching some social justice course for 10 years. Uh, do we really think that she has learned management skills or understands what the key issues are and that she's going to walk into that office and say, okay, I'm going to address that budget tomorrow. She's not. She didn't 20 years ago. Like I said, Mel Nassman kept her on a very short leash, gave her a few bucks to pursue her pet projects, and that kept her happy. Yeah, but the uh, people of Toronto weren't particularly happy during that time, <laughs> from, what, from what I recall. Well, like, 
everybody, everybody forgets that she and Jack conspired, and I say conspired, and I'm using that strong language, to keep uh, squatters on uh, in Tent City on Home Depot lands for three years Amazing. to make a statement. And it was only when the New York Times, the Sunday New York Times, wrote about Toronto and saying, like, this is terrible what's happening, that they... You know, all the politicians got off their jobs that actually moved it. Yeah. But if so, you, yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I suspect things are, I, I would agree with you. Miller on steroids could be a good, uh, an apt yeah. description of what's coming. But if you're Justin Trudeau and you see the result, you probably think, hey, I could probably get another, uh, I could win another election. I mean, look what Toronto just did. You know, it, it must bode well if you're of that type of mentality. What do you, what do you think? Federally speaking, if you're watching this, well, you, you got to be happy. Narcissists do abound in politics, but look, he can. Uh, I think the honeymoon is going to wear off very quickly. Um, and then, you know, someone said to me the other day, and I think this is very true, that when she can't fulfill all these promises, you know, of rainbows falling from the sky and and money growing on trees, they're going to blame the conservatives. And I mean, you could see the narrative throughout the election. We've had 12 years of conservative rule, and now it's time for somebody who can really, really shape the city and change it. I don't know what the heck she thinks she's going to change. I mean, it was bizarre. It was absolutely bizarre. And as somebody who knows where all the bodies are buried at City Hall, uh -huh. I made my hair, hair stand on end. I mean, your, your personal situation is you, you still live in Toronto. You're, you still consider yourself a... <laughs> Uh, but your tweet earlier, as as my wife and I said last night, thank goodness for the home in Florida. In Florida. That's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do I take from that? Well, that I can escape it for six months because it's going to be, uh, you know, very hard, um, especially for somebody who was so passionate about the city and wrote about the city and cared, cares about the city. It's going to be so hard for me to see it deteriorate even further. And mark my words, you know, uh, I worked on Anthony Fury's campaign. I make no bones about it. And he really wanted to tackle those safe injection sites. You know, we call them the harm production sites. Mm -hmm. uh, that is going to increase. It's going to be a free-for-all. And I don't think people really understand the implications of a mayoralty like hers, where, you know, it'll be open season on, you know, enabling drug addicts and, you know, when you talk about the apathy, you talk about the apathy of voters uh, until it hits their wallet or they actually see before their very eyes what's happening to Toronto, although I can't understand why they wouldn't see it now. Um, they won't wake up. Um, where I am in Florida, uh, you know, there are drug issues, but you don't see them on the street. And that's a warm climate. So, I mean, I... I, I I mourn for my city, for what's happened to my city. Yeah, as do I. Jordan Peterson, well, we've done it now. And are we <laughs> and are going to reap exactly what we sowed and then blame it on capitalism and oppression. San Francisco, here we come. Last word to you. Yeah. Well, he's exactly right. So what they're going to do is they're going to blame it on the conservatives when they can't, you know, fulfill their mandate. And I say, buckle up, Toronto. We're in for a very rocky ride for the next three years. Sue Ann Levy. I take it you're going to be producing some literature on this soon? Uh, a, a I column? will today. I'm just going to work on it today. Yes, All right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we look forward to that. <laughs>
All right. Thank well, you. Thank, thank you, you Sue Ann. Great pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Tell me Justin thank Toronto, you. of course. And let's take a break. Back with more on News Talk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrona Show after this. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on Saga960AM.ca. to the Mark Petroni radio program heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. Eve Engler joining us on Saga 960. Uh, who do you think blew up that dam? Uh, well, I think Russia was, Russia was in control, so Russia could have let the water through. Um, and, um, and Russia's the, the, the part of the... Um, of uh, the area that Russia controlled was the more swampy part. So the damage was tended to be more uh, on the area they controlled than on the Ukrainian uh, controlled uh, territory. Uh, I don't think, I haven't seen any uh, clear evidence either way. I've seen arguments made for why it served uh, Kiev's uh, military and strategic position, and I've seen arguments for why it served uh, Moscow's uh, um, uh, position. My inclination, I'd go with like a, a 60-40. I'd go with a 60-40 that it was actually key that uh, that uh, that blew it up. Um, but but I, I think at this point, it's, it's it's not clear. You're not a big fan of the Zelensky government, are you? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I... Uh, well, I mean, I, I think. I, I, well, if you look at you know, if you just take a broader lens on this. I mean, the Ukrainians have bombed the uh, Zaporizhia power plant. Uh, usually, it's accused, usually Russia's accused of it, even though Russia controls it. Uh, the Nord Stream pipeline was probably almost, almost, I would say, closing on uh, you know ninety percent plus that it was the Americans that blew it up. That was, of course, blamed on uh, initially blamed on Russia. Uh, same thing with the, uh, the apparently the Russians were bombing their own uh, the, the nuclear plant that they they themselves controlled. Very very bizarre. Um, there's a lot of you know lying uh, goes on in war, right? And I think that uh, you know from a from a Ukrainian perspective, this is existential, right? This is this is their country. This is the, their their whole uh, you know existence as a as a as a nation. So so you know this is this is where you go. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, you know, I think the Ukrainians are the principal victims. I, I think uh, Zelensky would have done way better for Ukrainians to agree to not do a commitment to not joining uh, NATO for the Russian invasion. That was what was on the table. Obviously uh, Washington, Ottawa and others were not, um, uh, didn't want Zelensky to do that, and and we're we're pushing. We're basically saying you know, we we won't make that commitment. Um, I think Zelensky's what you know Zelensky was elected with a very strong mandate. Just you know he crushed the previous uh, president, who was a staunch nationalist, and he he won his mandate with over seventy percent of the vote on the grounds of two basic planks: anti-corruption and bringing peace to the east of the country. He, he is a, his first language is Russian. Uh, he, 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 he was, you know, basically voted in by people who wanted to end this, this, this low level civil war going on in the east of the country. And when he tried to do that, 
when he pushed in that direction, um, basically the far-right forces and the, the security forces in Ukraine that Washington and Ottawa have uh, have really bolstered, they they uh, they responded, and, and you know the far-right forces said they would kill him, they would assassinate him if he if he tried to push um, uh, an end to the war. Um, so Zelensky then did an about face. I mean, he literally went from from trying for peace to being hawkish. Uh, that also coincides with uh, Joe Biden uh, uh, becoming president of the U.S. and and uh, you know the people like Victoria Newland or you know, extreme hawks on uh, and Biden himself, extreme hawks on on the question of Russia. And I think Zelensky, to a large extent, I mean, he's he's uh, he's caught he's caught in the, uh, the circumstances. Uh, you know, I think that he again he would have been way better to uh, for to serve Ukrainians to uh, to pursue um, um, negotiations and to obviously end the fighting in the east uh, before this you know this incredible horrors that we've um, seen over the past sixteen months, but. Um, but he's uh, you know caught by uh, very difficult uh, circumstances. So, where are we headed? I mean, okay, we have a, a counteroffensive which appears to be to have petered out. Um, U- Ukraine doesn't have endless supplies of of manpower to fight this war, and they're relying on foreign money to grease the wheels of their war machine. I think they've asked for warplanes. Because Russia, of course, is still, as I mentioned, uh, very superior air power. And that's really been key towards a repelling and destroying uh, this, this counteroffensive by Ukraine. Um, is it possible? Do you expect the Russians now, once this counteroffensive uh, hits a standstill, that the Russians will then move forward? and gain even more territory? I mean, isn't that the Russian history? Is that Russian history in, uh, in a nutshell there? That is, isn't that the way they do war? You know, they could be planning uh, a, a counteroffensive of, of their own and uh, just waiting for this, you know, offensive by, the, by Ukraine to, to stop, to end, to, be, to peter out, as it were. And yeah, you, you could give money and arms, provide arms to Ukraine, but who's going who's gonna to fight this war anymore? Their population has, has actually gone down dramatically, I've heard, um, and which tends to happen during war, not only because of people dying, but because people are leaving by the hundreds of thousands. They don't want to be in a war zone. They have families. They don't want to be crushed. They don't want to be destroyed between these two armies. And so they're leaving. And so um, what's Ukraine's, uh, what's their capacity to continue fighting uh, in your view? I mean, is it a lost cause for them? Uh, I mean, I I wouldn't go so far as saying it's a lost cause. I mean, we're talking about 10 million, something towards 10 million Ukrainians that left the country. So it's it's not in the hundreds of thousands, it's in the millions. Uh, obviously, it's predominantly women and children because they they blocked um, men between, I believe it's the age of like 18 and 55 from leaving the country early on. Um, but uh, But I think that there's a... 
plausible uh, scenario where Russia does push. Uh, first of all, they, they, you know, the, what the territory of Ukraine that Russia says it's annexed is beyond what it currently controls. So there, there's still more of, uh, of of eastern Ukraine that it says it controls. Also, of course, there is certainly people within Russia that would like to get control of, of as far as Odessa and even go all the way to um, into that part of um, Moldova that um, is right on the border with Ukraine. That is uh, basically sort of where Russian troops have been stationed for 30 years because of a because of a civil war within within Moldova. Um, so so that's a that's still a plausible uh, scenario. Uh, and obviously, as you as you deepen the the kind of bitterness on both sides, um, that sort of increases the sort of possibility of that now. Simultaneously, and the element that's more important, I think, from a from a Canadian audience perspective, is the question of the weaponry that we're being put in. You, I think you're exactly right in that you know NATO can pump in more and more weaponry, but if there's been these stories coming out in recent days, first time kind of really for a while about like in the New York Times and elsewhere about just the number of deaths. Uh, they don't tell you the exact number, but but the other this story about these uh, graves. Uh, graves, I think, for during World War for World War II, uh, people who killed World War II are now being basically uh, dug up to uh, to to bury uh, uh, current the current dead, and just the the stories about just how much death this has led to among young, mostly young younger men in in Ukraine is just is is just startling. And of course, Russia has a much much bigger population, and you know Ukraine's population was already declining uh, uh, beforehand. And, and there's been a huge exodus. Um, so, so yeah, I, at some point there is going to be a question of, you know, like where where do you find the people to 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 do this fighting? And, and you know, Canada is working very hard to train more uh, Ukrainians. That's what we're doing in the, in Poland, in Latvia, in in the in the in the UK. We have our Operation Unifier. There's more than 300 Canadian troops training, uh, 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 you know, recruits. So we are we are trying to bolster. The, the numbers they can they can send at at the Russian forces and, and I'm sure that's very helpful for the uh, the Ukrainian military but at some point there will just be you know you just sort of run out of people uh, that's a really depressing thought uh, to, to 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 think about but it is you know it's it's reality and um, now the converse <laughs> converse element to it is you give more and more high end weapons like the F-16s that now we're training uh, Ukrainians on the on the F-16s and and uh, they're, they're probably going to get some F-16s, uh, uh, and from stories I've I've read, and I'm not you know a military expert at all, but it's very unlikely that Ukraine would be able to operate the F-16 within its own territory uh, for a whole series of different reasons. So there's talk about the F-16s actually being based probably in Poland, uh, and uh, and then you run into a situation. And Putin actually just made this comment a few days ago. He said that if 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 there if the any F-16 uh, that Ukraine gets is not, you know, is being based from outside of the country. We reserve the right to to attack those bases. Now, you know, whether that would happen or not, I don't know. But you, you obviously see this. You know, we've been going down this escalatory uh, path for you know for a long time now, and that could be just one more uh, step up that escalatory ladder, uh, which could lead to even you know more uh, uh, death and destruction. So, so. Um, it's up in the air. I don't think it's clear at all how it's going to end, how how this is uh, you know going to stop. But uh, 
I think the the best case scenario is, you know, some effort at a, a truce, maybe if not, you know, today and, you know, in, in coming weeks or coming months and, you know, not too distant future, move towards a truce, uh, begin some negotiation process. I think what the African governments uh, did is, uh, is a really good thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you get see more and more initiatives that raise the question of, of negotiations. The Brazilians, the Chinese, the Turks have put forward different proposals. So more and more of these discussions around negotiations, and at some point, um, there should be more appetite among uh, among you know Moscow and Kiev, but also this, the the big elephant in the room is is that the you know Washington, and Ottawa, and London as uh, so the main hawks that they stop their efforts to sabotage uh, negotiations. If if they said tomorrow that Zelensky you have to negotiate. Uh, Zelensky would negotiate. Uh, that is that. That's uh, you know. If, if we if we withdrew our backing uh, on the base, you know, say if you don't negotiate, we'll withdraw our backing. Uh, there's no doubt that Kiev would have to negotiate. Um, so so there needs to be pressure put. I also think you know the Chinese need to be putting some pressure on on Moscow, right? So there needs to be pressure put on 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 uh, on both sides, um, and um, and hopefully that can um, that can end the horrors. Well, I would suggest that the Chinese should be putting pressure on the Americans to end that war. I, Putin would would certainly go come to the table. Uh, you know, it might lead to a partition of Ukraine, but it would stop the bloodshed. America seems to be in no great hurry to uh, end that bloodshed, and so I think if if China told the United States, look, um, used its clout. Here they are in in Cuba now. I tell you, uh, it's just mind-boggling what's going on. But if if China, I suspect, put pressure on on the Biden administration and said, "Look, you know, we've got to. This has got to stop." Uh, tell your guy in Ukraine that it's time to get to the table. And then I think that that's where it would. Am I wrong? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I don't. I don't think that uh, that Beijing has that leverage in in Washington. So I'm not. I'm not sure that that's. Uh, I think that um, you know, Beijing obviously their their proposal they put out there three or four months ago um, was a sort of starting point for some some discussion. Uh, but I think that the um, the leverage uh, uh, Beijing has more leverage over Moscow than it has over. I agree, but Blinken over, was just over there. Uh, talking about the need to trying to mend fences, so clearly America doesn't does not want a toxic, poisonous atmosphere relationship with China. If they wouldn't have done that otherwise, uh, what do you think? I don't agree with that. No, I think that that's more of um, uh, window dressing. Sort of, yeah, it's window dressing. Americans have been pushing all of the buttons on China. They've been, uh, if you look at all the different. Uh, 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 military arrangements. They've negotiated recent uh, months with uh, Papua New Guinea, with uh, Philippines, with sending more weapons to Taiwan, with uh, pushing uh, Japan and South Korea to uh, to sort of uh, dampen their conflict and, and pushing Japan to uh, ramp up its military spending. Um, you know, we saw just two weeks ago a Canadian naval vessel with American naval vessel through the, through the Strait of Taiwan. And then the um, the Chinese, uh, you know, intercepted, and the Americans and Canadians complained about their sort of um, um, 
dangerous maneuver by the uh, by the Chinese, uh, which I'm sure was well, was likely uh, correct in that it was a dangerous maneuver. But at the end of the day, we're talking about 10,000 kilometers away from Canadian territory. We're talking about something similar from American territory. Um, this is you know right off of, of China's coast. You know who who's who's being uh, belligerent. So I think the Americans are trying to. Uh, you know, they, if you look at all the different economic measures they've done with the, the semiconductors and these efforts to sabotage uh, uh, China's economy, uh, the Americans are, are plowing full speed ahead in, in, in aggressive policies towards China. They, at the same time, obviously don't want to uh, don't want to uh, um, communicate to the whole world that that's what they're doing. Uh, they don't. They want to provide a little bit of a, a little bit of a sort of uh, window dressing, if you like, to to act like that's not, you know, uh, yeah. not the real sort of uh, uh, geopolitical uh, aggressor there. But I think that that's the case. I think the Chinese government, from the Chinese government's perspective, they they would prefer just more sort of uh, uh, standard uh, uh, capitalist business trade relations. They they want to uh, expand their uh, you know business and, and uh, trade relations with countries in Africa and throughout Asia. And, yeah, they want to grow their influence through economic means rather than bombing yeah. the crap out of them. I get that. But uh, who wants to live under the Chinese form of government, though? I certainly don't. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you, uh, Eve. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Eve Engler, uh, Canadian Foreign Policy Institute. Let's take a break. Back with more on Newstalk Saga 960 and the Mark Petrona Show after this. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. You were listening to the Mark Petroni Radio Program. Heard exclusively on News Talk Saga 960. And we're back with more on News Talk Saga 960. So very glad you could join us on this post-election Tuesday, now that uh, Olivia Chow has been elected mayor. Who better to comment on it than Jocelyn Banford, who was the founder of the Coalition of Concerned Manufacturers and Businesses of Canada. She's a business lady based in uh, Scarborough, which is, of course, you know, part of Toronto. And um, you got out and voted, did you? Voted? Absolutely. Absolutely. I was a big supporter of Anthony Fury, and, I, and I'll tell you, although Anthony didn't win, um, here he won the hearts of many ordinary Torontonians. And he uh, came in fourth without the backing of the big unions, the big developers, the elites, the political class, or the media. And he still came forth um, with uh, a shoestring budget uh, and a bunch of volunteers that believe that uh, politicians should be doing things for the people and not trying to line their own pockets or better their financial um, situations by running for, for office. He's uh, 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 wanting to make Toronto a better place, and I'm telling you, this isn't the end for him. He's just getting started because we could have done great things if we had two more weeks. Um, remember, the media ignored him at first, and then they blocked him. Yes. participating in debate yep. 
And uh, it just goes to show you that if we get our message out and and uh, talk to people about what's important to them, that you can have great results. So I'm expecting after um, Olivia Chow gets through ruining the city, and bl- believe you me, it will happen, that there'll be an opportunity for Anthony Fury to clean it all up after. It'll be an even bigger mess when she leaves eventually. Uh, we'll see how long it imagine, takes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Can you imagine, Mark, people have just voted for an increase in their taxes. And you know what was stunning was uh, out on uh, just talking to people um, in Toronto that they had no clue. They have no clue what her policies are about. So they've just voted for an increase in property tax themselves. They've a- increased um, in tools for the gardener and the DVP. And imagine right now, t- Toronto businesses are having a hard time attracting people to come back to them. And this will just make it um, impossible because no one's going to want to go downtown. There are going to be more drug injection sites. There's going to be more crime. Um, it's going to cost you more, but it, it will be a boom for outside of the GTA as people either flee uh, or or start to bring shop and and do things outside of the city. So, um, as a Toronto business, has yeah, they've done story. it. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, Jordan Peterson was talking about that earlier. He really done it. Now we're going down the same road as, as cities like uh, San Francisco. I certainly hope not, but when you elect people who believe in those types of policies, those quote-unquote progressive policies, you end up with the same thing as those cities, you know? So I don't see how people should be surprised. It's unfortunate. Uh, She got 37% of the popular vote. I think it worked out to 15% of the total available votes uh, in the city. Not exactly a a resounding endorsement, but she's, she's mayor now. And uh, can you imagine what's going to happen in the TDSB, the largest school board in Toronto? You, you think uh, there's some pretty wackadoo stuff being taught? Um, this is just a green light to continue that. So, you know, I'm glad to see um, parents are starting to push back on some of this craziness. And if you haven't seen online some of the books that they have in class, in class, in libraries um, for elementary students. Um, it, some of it's vile and disgusting. And, and I'm happy to see, you know, the push against this is coming from a lot of new Canadians. And, and God bless them, because th- they're going to be the change agents um, to get this madness out of our schools. What's it going to mean for businesses? I mean, you're in business. Uh, I don't think there's going to be any reason for anybody to start new businesses. I, I'd, I'd be surprised if uh, a lot of the existing and uh, smaller businesses don't look elsewhere to set up shop or close. I mean, this cannot be good news if you're in the business of trying to start a business in Toronto. No, and, and just think about it. Um, part of operating business is getting your products to market, and that means to have um, good uh, transportation around the city. And that's, we're going to go to even more gridlock as, as we roll out more bike lanes on major arteries. And, 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 um, you could bet your bottom dollar we're going to see an attack on that gas, natural gas in, and bans in, in the city because that's, uh, the folks that, uh, uh, the new mayor hangs out with. 
and it, it's not going to be a positive place to build or grow um, a business uh, in Toronto. And we can't wait to see some of the taxes. And I also heard this morning that um, the mayor was on a local radio station or TV station talking about she's going to give authorization for bungalows to build up four stories um, in an effort to have more affordable housing. Now, we, what, what did we learn from the recent sub um, explosion that, that uh, geez, what could possibly go wrong is people build four stories on their bungalow and maybe don't have the um, proper engineering and architecture to make sure that those uh, buildings can stand up. So that, that was a scary thing that I heard this morning. So um, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen in Toronto, but I don't think it's going to be positive. Well, there's going to be a war in the car. So if you if you drive for a living or if you, uh, you know, I mean, it's Canada for crying out loud. So I don't see how you're going to get everybody all of a sudden to start riding bikes. All those annoying bike lanes, I guess they're not going anywhere. And uh, apparently some of the main highways, uh, one of the, is she going after the Gardner, is it? Is that look, looking to close it? I, I heard some story about that. I don't know if it's true. Yeah, I, that's what what we're hearing. I think we're going to find out. I mean, there wasn't a lot of policy detail um, in her platform, so uh, I can just imagine where where we're headed. So um, it's scary times if you're living in Toronto. Uh, a lot of people have been moving out of Toronto. Really, and we're seeing that with with our staff. So that's already um, going on now, Jocelyn. That's already going. Absolutely, it's been going on for for quite some time, and I think it will continue. Um, people to relocate outside of the city. And I have heard from homeowners um, that had said if uh, Olivia Chow gets in as mayor that they are going to be uh, talking about moving out. So um, I wonder if there'll be a rush on, on inventory or uh, available inventory uh, in the city. Well, I guess we'll, we'll find out in the upcoming weeks. I mean, some people say that and then end up not doing it. Like, you know, all those people who said they were going to leave America if uh, Trump was elected and they didn't do anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a lot of it is maybe talk, but maybe not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, well, I think we'll find out uh, quickly in the um, upcoming weeks. I think if you're Justin Trudeau and you see the result, I mean, you probably start thinking, great, I could probably win another election. I mean, if they're going <laughs> to if they're going to vote for somebody like that, well, they'll probably vote vote for me. They'll think I'm a moderate compared to far left Olivia Chow. I mean, wouldn't that encourage a guy like that? Yeah, well, I think what we're we're going to see the rapid deterioration of Toronto over the next couple of years. So um, that might not be so helpful for for Justin. So we'll we'll we can see what happens. <laughs> Apparently, she won't fight with uh, Doug Ford, the premier of. Uh, I mean, I, he he endorsed Mark Saunders, which probably hurt Anthony. You know. <laughs> But and I but you know what that that was a no win situation for him because um, it, it became at the end a fight between John Tory and and uh, Doug Ford to see who has most influence in the city of Toronto and and uh, the premier came out the losing end of that stick so um, yeah he did uh, drive a bump in in um, Saunders. Uh, because people were terrified of Olivia Chow, um, and uh, but Saunders ended up being the spoiler for for Anna Bailao. Any thoughts about this 
Well, spectacle, the uh, the pride parade videos show a group of naked men playing, rinsing themselves off alongside fountain with children around it, surrounded by kids. Yeah, uh, I, I Bud, know that, Bud Light that, uh, uh, sponsored it. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Not, not if, if you, ha I, I know there's lots of people from um, the gay and lesbian community that have, have decided to not opt in um, to the gay pride parade because of their concern of nudity for children. It was, you know, originally a family friendly, supposed to be deemed as a family friendly event. Um, having uh, naked men walking around in, in my estimation is not a family friendly event. So, um, I, you know, I, I think most people are, are very tolerant. Um, but that, that makes it not something that you want to bring your kids to. Absolutely not. Very, very troubling indeed. And sadly, the city is going to probably welcome more of that sort of thing under the current administration. I mean, I I can't help but think but, uh, that the city that you and I grew up in, I mean, you grew up in Hamilton, I think, didn't you? <laughs> so you Burlington. Burlington. All right. So you weren't far away from, from Toronto. That's, that's, that's the GTA. I mean, it's that's dead and gone. I mean, I, I know people who are thinking, man, Good thing I got. A, I was talking to Sue Ann Levy earlier. Good thing I got a place in Florida because I'll be spending as much time out of the city. I can't stand to see what's going to happen. I just can't bear to watch the dumpster fire that the Torontonians can expect over the next few years. Unless, of course, she comes to some understanding about the practical way of governing. I mean, uh, there's a huge deficit. There's a, a fiscal tsunami facing the city of Toronto. That never used to happen growing up. The, the city of Toronto was always in good fiscal condition because it was in good fiscal hands. Uh, but when you look at what, what Trudeau just did with, with Canada, um, then you can't help but think that the same direction is going to be uh, headed for, for the city of Toronto, you know, fiscally yeah, speaking. And and here's the problem um, in all of this. The problem is that the city focuses all their efforts on stuff that they really ought not to be involved with and almost none on the things that they should be involved in. Uh, right now, uh, there's lots of, uh, of stories about people waiting 20 minutes for 911 uh, because they're focused on all the wrong things. So we, we need to get back to focusing on what core services the city of Toronto should be delivering and focus on getting those right first before doing any of the, their other pet projects. But they seem more focused on their pet projects and not focused on delivering the services that they're supposed to be doing at the Toronto level. So what advice do you have? <laughs> now oh that, now that she's in, I mean, I, we know what you think. I mean, how do you deal with it? If you're, uh, you, if you know live what? in the city? You, you, you keep your you you keep focused. You keep talking. You keep demanding better services that we're paying for, um, and we we keep the pressure on. Um, you know, we've seen in the United States and now in Canada the influence that parents can have on education. But that that is a, a learning lesson for everything. Um, you know, the the um, activist. Uh, wield their power 
because ordinary Canadians don't um, get involved and speak up. And we've seen the results. If you do, uh, uh, there's a, a, a school um, counselor's um, trustee named Dr. Pai, and he has had amazing results of starting to hold uh, the uh, the school boards to account. And I think we need more parents that get involved in our education system and more uh, Canadians speaking up about what's important to them and what issues are important to them and what issues are not important to them. And we need to get the politicians focused on all the right things and get them out of all the wrong things. Jocelyn Bamford, thank you so much. Appreciate this as always. Always a pleasure to spend time with you and your listeners. And that is it for this edition of the Mark Petrona Show. Appreciate you tuning in, my friends. Let's do it again real soon, shall we? In the meantime, stay safe, be strong. Bye-bye for now. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.